Now we are gonna get into our series, The Honeymoon is Just Beginning. So get your notebooks ready, get your pens ready, and prepare your hearts to hear your message from God this morning. Pastor Nate, I'm the lead pastor of Restoration Church. I am so glad that you're here today. And I wanna just, before we jump into the message, just just share a couple of things. One, uh, in at, at our services in Plymouth, Milton, online, you're gonna have to click the digital version. We've got our Kingdom Builders guides. We handed these out last year, and these are some of the big mission projects we're going after as a church this year. And uh, we hope not just to fund what's in this booklet, but even go beyond that as we have every year. Every year, we put out a goal in front of us, and every year so far, we've accomplished every goal and then have added things on the end. So that's pretty cool and exciting. So take that with you and uh, use this as you pray every day or as you're, you know, once a week in your time uh, of prayer, you take this out and pray over these items. At the end of our service today, we'll talk through what our Dover project is, but um, every location is kind of picking one of these to go after at the beginning of the year. Um, also, you know, I'm kind of excited for some of you. I know every, every service at every location, we have people coming to church for the first time in their life. And today is one of those Sundays that if it's your first time you've ever gone to church, you're going to walk out of here going, what in the world just happened? I was not what I was expecting when I went to church. Uh, today, we're starting a series on marriage, and we'll, we'll talk through dating a little bit. We'll talk through singleness just a little bit, and, um, and so you're going to get to hear the Word of God spoken about in a way that maybe you never have before, or even if you come from a church background that talked about marriage and the issues of marriage in a very negative way, you're going to kind of walking out of here like, wow, I've never knew, I never knew that the Bible addressed these things in such a positive way. And so I'm excited for everyone in this series, but definitely if it's your first time here, you're going to walk out of here going, church is way different than I ever thought it was going to be. <laughs> now, as we end the series in the, the end of the month in February, we're going to have a question and answer Sunday. So certainly my wife will join me on stage. By the way, you're going to be a part of that. And, um, and so what we're going to invite you to do, if you've got questions on on marriage, dating, relationships. Uh, what you can do is even right now, uh, but at any point during the week, at any point during the series, you can text the word honeymoon to 97000 and, um, and type in your question there. We don't ask you for your name or anything. It's anonymous, uh, but you get a chance to ask your question and we'll take time during that last week to answer as many questions as we can. All right? And so you can leave that up there. Leave that up there just for a little bit longer until we hit our first scripture so people can jump into that. Well, we are starting a series today that we'll be going through this entire month called The Honeymoon is Over. Actually, scratch that. The Honeymoon is Just Beginning. Now, I'm going to talk this morning to the marrieds and the future marrieds, and you've often heard the saying, the honeymoon is over, and it's a statement about marriage, and it's this really negative, really negative, depressing statement 
that implies that what starts great will soon become lame. That what starts good is only going to get worse. And that is a terrible way to view something that God honestly has so many miracles and blessings wrapped up inside of it. It's a, it's, it's a depressing way to look at it. And maybe you say, yeah, but my life experience tells me that's true. Well, listen, our life experience doesn't always line up with the word of God. But if we'll trust the word of God, our life experience will line up to that. And so even if right now the statement is true for your marriage, yeah, our honeymoon was awesome, it is miserable right now. Lord, take me home. If your prayer is that, I want you to change your prayer to say, God, if there's any hope here, if there's anything you can change, if our marriage can get better, then Lord Jesus, do it. What starts out, a marriage that starts out with passion, romance, and intimacy is soon replaced by kids, bills, and miscommunication. And it's just pressure and struggle and, um, and what we've even seen in our culture recently is more and more marriages ending after, tw- after 30, 40, and even 50 years. The marriage ending and say, if I've, whatever time I've got left, I don't want this anymore. And I want to address this. I want to correct this, this, this idea that the honeymoon's gonna end, it can't last forever, and I wanna give hope for change, I wanna get rid of fear, and I wanna have you passionately pursue everything that God has for you in your marriage. And if you hope to get married one day, that you will even right now, as as a single person, trust God with that area of your life, and even now, passionately pursue everything that God has for your marriage. When we say, God, I want everything you have for me in the future, then it changes how we live for today. And today we start this series with the statement that I hope gets deep into your heart and your mind. The honeymoon isn't over. It is just beginning. So I'm going to have a conversation with you and I want to teach you or remind you That marriage is amazing. If you are single, you don't need to fear marriage, you don't need to dread marriage, and you don't need to avoid marriage because there is something in it that God has for you. Now, for those of you that God's assignment, the assignment that Jesus has given to you is singleness for the duration of your life, never and don't ever feel less than someone who's married. Marriage wouldn't in any way make your life better if Jesus has called you to a life of singleness. You don't ever have to feel that you're missing out or that you're, that you're less of a person. Certainly the Apostle Paul holds those, in, those who, 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 who honor God with their singleness and accept a, goal, God, accept a call in their life for singleness. He, he regards those in high esteem and, uh, and, and, and states quite, quite blatantly that they will accomplish more for the kingdom of God than, for, than those who are married. So don't ever feel less than or that you're missing out. Um, you know, <laughs> don't ever, all right? Um, you accept, enjoy, and receive the blessing that God has for you and the call he has on you. And, and don't, 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 really, I would never question that or, or compare yourselves or want what other people have in their lives. Enjoy what God has for you. you. 
marriage, marriage isn't going to make your life better. Following Jesus and what he asks for your life, that is the way to live always, always. Now, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open those up or open up your Bible apps. And here's, here's, our, here's our resolution here for 2021, all right, as a church. When I say open up your Bibles or your Bible apps, you're going to at least pretend you're doing it. All right, so everybody, every week, and, I'm, and I know I don't get to see other locations, I don't see what you're doing online, but I, here's what I do see. I know there's lights blinding my eyes, and other people get on stage and they say, I couldn't see the crowd. I can see the crowd, I can see the crowd. I've got these permanent spots burned into my retina, so the stage lights don't even affect me anymore. So when I say open your Bibles or your Bible apps, and nobody moves, I see that. So this year, you're gonna at least pretend, and I would really encourage you, do not pretend. Bring a physical copy of the Bible with you, or open up your device, to your Bible app or open up Google and look up the scripture and pay attention to God's word. What I have to say is hopefully gonna be engaging, it's gonna be helpful, it's God's word, but what is in the scripture, that is not just words, that is the words of God. It is alive and active. And when you intake that scripture, it will bring much more transformation in your life than anything I can say from this stage that is not me deliberately reading scripture. Put a high value of God's word on your life. So let's practice this for a second. Open your Bibles or your Bible apps. All right, some people are still sitting still. We are gonna schedule a special meeting with you this week. So um, open up to Hebrews chapter 13, and I'm gonna read the same verse twice. Uh, one is going to be from the ESV, the English Standard Version. The other is from the NLT, the New Living Translation. The Bible wasn't originally written in English, and so when they translate this, they get um, each translation is a group of different scholars, brilliant minds, who are translating it from the original language into English. And so a word can be translated a different way, and in it can mean the same thing contextually, but how you read it and understand it, it can open your eyes to a couple of things. So I'm gonna read both, um, uh, both of these versions together and then we'll talk through it. So the first is in the ESV. And this scripture you may have heard before, you may even kind of have it memorized in your mind, but chapter 13, verse number seven says, let marriage be held in honor among all, let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. So um, another way is kind of that scripture, it says, let the marriage bed be holy. Now, today we're talking about the marriage bed, and certainly there's a little um, innuendo in that, uh, but we are going to talk about sex and sex within marriage, and if you've got kids in here, I've got kids in the room with me as well. And so we're going to keep this at a 1980s PG level. All right. So this is not quite PG-13, but this is 1980s PG level. We're going we're gonna to talk about a few things. No need to be nervous or embarrassed. Um, me within this room, certainly my, my wife is here. I've got two kids in the room with me and a mother-in-law. So we're going to talk. We're going to just talk. Like If you feel uncomfortable sitting next to your kid or your estranged spouse, just imagine being me. And now I want to read you the verse from the New Living Translation. And if you've got that, could you put that on the screen for me? It's the same verse. Um, it says, give honor to, 
So I don't know what happened. Uh, chapter four is the verse in the, in the notes here. I know I said verse seven, but chapter four is the verse in the notes. So it says, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Now this verse is often quoted in a negative context because of that, um, because of that warning at the end. That there's a judgment of God toward sexual immorality. And there is a big focus on, on Christians in the church where they focus that out. And it becomes a statement where, we, where we, we communicate it maybe with anger, we communicate it with judgment, we communicate it in conversations where you're trying to help people to go after everything that God has for them. And, I, and that negative statement, I, you know, that we're in no way minimizing, watering down, or trying to diminish what that end of that scripture says. But there's a couple verses before it that we do not focus on enough. And I want to focus on the, the front couple sentences of that scripture. If you could put that back up for me, please. I want to focus on the front two verses of that scripture because there is a blessing hidden within here that I do not want you to miss. It says first here, give honor to marriage and please leave that up until our next scripture quote. And honor means to esteem or treat with respect. So when it says give honor to marriage, esteem marriage, respect marriage. And the easy thing to do is to make jokes about marriage, make jokes about your old lady, make jokes about ball and chain, make, make jokes to your coworkers, complain about your marriage. Um, that's the easy thing to do, but that is not the godly thing to do. I'm telling you, if you, if you, if you dishonor your marriage, if you speak poorly about your marriage, you speak poorly about your spouse, um, I, I, got, I got news for you. There's not gonna be a blessing there. It will, be, it will become the curse you speak it into be because what spouse wants to know they're being complained about when, they're, you know, when their partner's at work, being complained about to their partner's coworkers, and then you come home and you're like, hey, I was just joking around, baby, you know, and, 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 and then they're gonna respond to that and say, oh, you were joking. You said being married to me was miserable and you were joking. Oh, okay. No, no, no offense taken. And after years of that, no, that causes the honeymoon to end. You come out of your honeymoon week and, and you go, how was the honeymoon? And you're like, terrible, really terrible. Not good. But we got hope for the future. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. You, you've got to begin to honor it. So some of it is just, again, changing how we talk at work how we talk to our girlfriends, how we talk to our guys at work, our bros, how we talk about marriage, and how we talk about, how we talk about our spouse. Bring honor, bring esteem. And he says in here, um, one way that you honor marriage is by keeping the marriage bed undefiled, keeping it holy. Um, it says in the New Living Translation, by remaining faithful. We'll talk about that in a second but without sin. So a marriage bed, by definition, according to scripture, it's a sexual relationship between a husband and wife, and it is only between a husband and wife. This is the context by which God created sexuality. 
And what God designed, this is controversial and, and people are gonna push back on me on this, but what God designed can only truly be enjoyed within the context of marriage. And so if you think about any, you, you, you know, if you think about the, 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 um, the sexual experiences you've had outside of marriage, they could be positive or negative, but even if they're positive, they are not in any way even close to the experience that God has designed between a husband and a wife. Everything else, any other type of sexual experience outside of marriage between a husband and a wife is honestly a poor knockoff of God's design. You think about, you know, you can go on YouTube and Google like, um, you know, fake cars in China and, and you have like an expensive Rolls Royce, but you can get, buy one in China that looks just like it for like $10,000. It does not compare. You can go and you can search, you, you know, infringement and, and they have uh, McDonald's in China, which has like double arches, it has like three arches in it. And you can go to that and be like, man, I just want you to experience what, it, what it's like being obese in the United States. Let's go and, and share some spicy chicken nuggets. And it is not the same. And it can look the same, it can have the same branding, it can have the same function, but it is not the same. And everything else is a poor knockoff. And culture is saying, buy the cheap knockoff. And this morning, I'm gonna tell you to knock it off. And, uh, and just really inspire you to believe God's word for this area of your life. Now, the second part of this, so give honor to marriage. It says, remain faithful to one another in marriage. And a lifetime sexual partnership is seen as a curse by many in society. Like, how would you ever? Monogamous, we weren't designed to be that, they cry. And I tell you what, they miss out on what truly has value. Gary Thomas is an author, Christian author, has written many books. Um, one that I would recommend to you is a book called Sacred Marriage. And I've got, I've got at least a couple of quotes, at least one quote, but I'll probably do a couple off the cuff. Um, one of the quotes in, the, in, the, in his book that I wrote down is, because uh, I think it's really helpful, faithfulness seasons or sweetens the marriage bed in many delightful and proud ways. And uh, let me tell you, most people have no idea that that's true. Most people have no idea that that's possible. They don't understand what scripture is saying when it says remain faithful to one another in your marriage. They think it's a curse. How could I do that? How could we do that? That's not how I'm wired. That's not how I'm created. That's not how I'm designed. That's not, I could never do that. I would never do that. And they miss out. I want you to think about this, all right? And so I, I could be way off. I'm, not, I'm no expert in, in the stock market, but compare the GameStop stocks with a Roth IRA here for a second. Making billionaires go bankrupt certainly is thrilling. And this entire thing of, of, of buying stocks and, and disrupting the market, it is fun, it is thrilling. But in the end, at retirement, it won't make you rich. Eventually, those businesses will collapse as much as they're propped up by the stock market. 
And uh, though it's fun right now, and there's a lot of, you, you know, there's a lot of talk about, a lot of excitement, people kind of participating and never participated in stocks before, uh, a lot of controversy. In the end, kind of what, what stocks and all that can do, what it can help increase your income, allow you to retire later on, it won't make you rich. Now compare that with the faithfulness of saving into a Roth IRA. And when you deposit into a Roth IRA, later down the line, when you go to take that money out of a Roth IRA, you don't pay any taxes on it. It's an amazing thing that the government allows us to do. So while you're making minimum wage now, you invest money into a Roth IRA, and when you retire, and it's worth a lot of money, you, only, you don't pay taxes on that lot of money, you already paid the taxes at minimum wage. Amazing, amazing opportunity you have. If you do that, that will make you rich. It's not sexy, it's not thrilling, you just put your money in every week and it looks like it makes no change. But at the end of your life, what you have before you has something of great value. And something you wouldn't trade for, for a cheap stock market thrill. For all of the uh, millennials and Gen Y who are putting into GameStop right now and putting in their hundred bucks and having a lot of fun with it, there are a lot of millennials who are, um, who are investing in Roth IRAs right now. The average balance right now for a millennial investing in a Roth IRA is $32,700. Whoa, millennials have that much money? <laughs> they don't dress like they have that much money. Um, but, he, but what they've understood something. The, 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 a a short-term investment doesn't equal a long-term gain. A short-term thrill doesn't equal a long-term advantage. And so I'm gonna do it slow, but steady. No euphemisms there. And I'm going to, uh, and I'm going to invest in, in what's gonna benefit me in the long haul, not just in what's gonna benefit me on a Friday night. Remain faithful. And I just wanna speak into this because if you're a young Christian, and you wanna pursue Jesus in your life, you face the challenge, am I going to really wait until I'm married to experience sex the way God designed it, or am I going to pursue it the way the world does? It is immense pressure, and even someone who says, God, I trust you with my whole life, begins to pray a prayer, Jesus, don't come back yet. Wait until after my wedding to return. And I just wanna speak this, though, though a sexual experience is a great experience, it will not compare to heaven. So you don't ever have to be afraid if God comes now while I'm a 17-year-old boy, I'm gonna miss out on life. When we get to heaven, heaven is so much greater than anything in this earth or this life. You will not care. You will not care. That is how great heaven is. And for those of us thinking, well, I'm gonna live my way, like, my way now, that I, well, I wanna live now, I don't wanna miss out on any earthly pleasure, let me tell you, to live opposite God and to think that um, you know, anything that we can experience now is worth missing heaven for, you do not have a high value of God. You do not understand heaven. You've gotta buy some books and begin to read about it because that is one thing you do not wanna miss. Greater than front row seats at the Super Bowl, greater than any 
uh, experience you can have. Nothing on this earth compares to, um, to a minute within heaven. And so when we begin to understand that, say, wait a minute, I, I, I'll per, if God calls me to be celibate and to be single my life, I'll accept that call. Because I will, miss, I will miss out on nothing. And we don't have to pray that prayer, Lord, wait. I saw a meme last week, <laughs> guy on his wedding day, but then the Lord comes back during the wedding ceremony. He's like, no, <laughs> why? But you will not experience that. You cannot. The greatness and the goodness of God is so much better than anything. Now, what happens if you honor marriage and you remain faithful to one another? Let's go through a couple of things scripturally. It is important that we have a biblical understanding of these things. And if we have that, it'll really, when we know what God's word said, it allows us to follow him. If we don't know what he says, we could be twisted to, we could be lied to, we can think we're missing out. A couple of things, Genesis 1.31. First, we know the marriage bed is good. God, in Genesis 1.31, it says, God looked over all he had made and he saw it was very good. And if... Sometimes if you were raised in a very uh, conservative, quiet Christian background, you begin to think your whole life that sex is a bad thing. And when you enter marriage, you, it's not something you enjoy because you still have this weight over your shoulder that it is a bad thing. It is never a bad thing within the context of marriage. And I remember... I've got three eight-year-olds now, so I'm not calling any, you don't know which one I'm talking about, but I remember saying, hey, do you know what sex is? Haven't begun that conversation at eight years old, and they responded, yes, sex is bad. And I said, no, that's not true. Sex is not bad. And we begin to have just a conversation, laying up a framework. It is a good thing that God designed to be enjoyed in marriage. Enjoyed. The marriage bed is good. We tend to think that the only way to experience God is through pain. I must fast. I, you know, I've got to make myself miserable. I must punish myself. And the more miserable I am, then I will be spiritual and I will experience God. Listen, that is not the only way to experience God. And certainly we experience God in pain and certainly there's times and seasons he calls us to fast, he calls us to withdraw, he calls us to solitude, he calls us to sacrifice. But if you read scripture, Jesus brought people joy continually. 24-7 he brought them joy. He celebrated with meals and he celebrated with feasts. He laughed and he made others laugh. Making yourself miserable does not make you more spiritual. You know what? It might make you deceived. The enemy has, tr has tricked you into thinking that, um, that, that you're more spiritual, but the only thing he's done is got you to give up your joy. Think about Jacob and Esau and, and Esau saying, yes, I'll give you my birthright if you give me your soup. And he tr it's a trick He's saying, yeah, 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 yeah. You'll be more spiritual if you give up all the pleasures of this world and then you do it and you're miserable. And he's like, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> Gotta read scripture. So you know what God's word says. Second thing here, oh boy, you're about to fall in love with God's word like you never knew was possible. 
This is what God designed. The marriage bed is exhilarating. Proverbs 5.19. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. This is a view and a picture of marriage that if you, you know, if you grown up in church, you're like, wait, why don't we talk about that scripture every week? What the heck? Why, why did I not, why didn't I not understand? You, you know, maybe it's a, it's a wife who says, wait a minute, I've been feeling guilty for so many years, but God's word says I don't have to feel guilty. Maybe it's the husband who says, wait a minute, I've been feeling guilty for so many years, but God's word says I don't have to feel guilty. We've treated sex as a way to procreate. But listen, this is really, really important. And I'm, this is not my quote, but, but God designed it as a, as a form of recreation as well. It's not just about giving life into, into this world. It's about experiencing the life that God has for us. Third thing here to note, the marriage bed is, the marriage bed is spiritual. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. We think about a church building. We enter to the church building, things are different. Don't act that way in church. And we always forget, it's the, God doesn't dwell inside of a church building. We are the church building. When we decide to follow Jesus, he indwells us. So when we understand that my, that my sexual sin, it, something spiritual is happening, I'm not just, uh, I, I'm, I'm not just, um, whatever, you know, try to keep it 80s PG here. Um, when we have sex, our temples are intertwined together. Our bodies are joined together. We are entering God's temple. We are entering into the presence of God. Deeply, deeply, deeply spiritual experience. We think about, it's a deeply spiritual experience. And not that you experience or you're aware of the presence of God at every moment within your marriage, but at some moments you are. At some moments your thoughts become, God, you are so good. God, you care about us so much. And I just want to kind of continue this thought here. You know, it says in scripture, don't, have sexual relationships with a prostitute because you're, you are the temple of God here. And it begins to say, so in a negative light, it's also a positive light. Now in scripture, it talks about there's seasons within your marriage that you, that you, that you may fast uh, sexual intimacy together. The, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number five, it says, do not deprive each other of sexual relations. Don't use sex as a weapon within your marriage unless you both agree to refrain so you both agree from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer there's a time of fasting and then afterward come together again so satan won't tempt you though there's seasons of fasting that you may have there's seasons of, of sometimes sickness seasons of uh, of of um, child rearing seasons different seasons when you when you fast that you mutually agree together it's not one thing that one spouse should control over the other. But listen, all right? If there's seasons of fasting, what do we know from Scripture? Every other part of Scripture, that, that there's seasons of fasting, but there's also seasons of feasting. And 
I want to encourage you, married couples, to make February a season of feasting. <laughs> and to say, you know what, maybe, maybe there's been, maybe there's been a miscommunication has come between you. Maybe there's been uh, a hurt that's come between you. Maybe sex is something you've never agreed on, so it's always been contentious. Next Sunday is Valentine's Day. And I would encourage you, maybe at your Valentine's Day dinner, to just talk about, here's why, here, here's why I don't pursue you. Here's why I reject. Here's why I have difficulty. And I say, my feelings were hurt, or I was brought up this way, and begin to talk about it. And spouses listening say, I'm sorry I've been so irritated. I'm sorry I've mistreated you. I'm sorry I've forced you or fought you. And what God intended for us to be a blessing has been a point of contention. It's been a point of temptation as you've been tempted to, to pursue other avenues. And say, let's commit to each other today to receive the blessing that God has for us. And that doesn't mean it will be easy. It may mean that you, um, that you, you uh, go to counseling, you begin to talk through some, some major hurts or some major, uh, 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 maybe even abuse that happened in your life. It may mean you seek your medical doctor and begin to talk through just um, uh, you know, medical problems that you're having that's, that's uh, taking away from this but that you commit to that and you have that conversation. And everybody wants to get ramped up. Sometimes the only way we know how to communicate is by fighting, but fighting doesn't bring resolution. And so what you gotta do is, <laughs> Valentine's Day dinner is good and it's like, you're gonna screw up my whole night if we talk about this. It, 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 but, but maybe by having a single conversation, the rest of your marriage can begin to heal and get better. And so maybe not Valentine's Day night, maybe that'll be the, your first practice night, but, but maybe this week you go out, you have a conversation in public because that, you can't scream at each other. And it will actually force you to whisper because you don't want the other people, thank goodness for six foot distancing, but still you don't want other people to listen in. They say, hey, I'm hurt. I, I've been hurt by this. I feel like you don't love me. I feel like you reject me. I feel hurt like this. I feel like you're using me. You don't even care about me. So you can begin to express to each other no, you know I love you. This is how I feel about you. But this is the problem, and this is how I've been feeling. You can pray together. And you can give space and grace and communicate and allow God to restore that part of your life. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we love you. We love you. I pray, I pray for those in here this morning who, who've never made a decision to follow you and and. And uh, maybe, this is a, maybe this is a heavy week to walk into. Like, and I think this is, you know, but I just pray that even in the midst of our conversation talking about the marriage bed, what they would hear is that Jesus, you love us, you care about us, and you have good things for us. And even today on a day where we talked about this subject, as they sit in their service today, they say, Jesus, I didn't know you were so good. I didn't know you loved me so much. And I ask you right now to be my God. Forgive me from my sin. Forgive me from the ways I, I didn't live according to your design. I, I did, did things my own way. Forgive me for that. And save me and be my God. 
Jesus, I thank you that when we pray that simple prayer, you forgive all of our past, all of our wrong things. Judgment is taken from us. You adopt us into the family of God and you change us from the inside out. And I pray that for every person listening in in this room, in our locations, online. Thank you for salvation. Jesus, I pray for the singles who, who the singles in the room who are who, who who love you but aren't right now living according to these scriptures. And, and I pray that I really pray that you repent and, and even trust you with this area of their life. And begin to wait to pursue sex within the context of marriage. And lastly, Jesus, I pray for the married in this room. I pray for communication and for forgiveness and for healing. God, when the, when the time is right, when hearts have been healed and, and, and communication has been restored, Lord, there, there would be a season of feasting. There would be a season of, of, of honeymoon experience. It would bring joy again and life again and, and would draw them close together again. And honestly, it would draw them closer to you. They would worship you, give thanks to you for this healing in their marriage. And Lord, for those who are in a good place, we just pray. If temptation comes, they would run and resist temptation. They would they would protect and remain faithful to their spouse. And God, that what is already good would become even better. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, do me a favor, stand to your feet at every location. We're gonna worship God and uh, don't ever forget God is good and he loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to bless you and show you how much he cares about you. Let's sing to him and let's worship him in Jesus' name.